Joe Biden claims to be a uniter. Right? That's his argument. He claims to want to bring Americans together. That's that's why you should vote for him. He's going to he's going to bring everybody in. But everything he has done as president has done just the opposite. Everything he has done as president has been about more and more divisiveness. It's been about being more and more partisan. He's now uh, referring to people who support President Trump as fascists, saying it out loud, oh, you support Trump, you're a fascist, so much so that even CNN is bringing it up to White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre. The president likened what he called extreme MAGA philosophy to semi-fascism. What exactly is semi-fascism, Corinne? So let me just first say this uh, tonight, uh, what you heard from this president, uh, Don. And again, thank you for having me, because this is really important. The American people have a choice in front of them. And the president laid that out very clearly, very powerfully tonight. That's a lot of spin when you have the president calling Americans fascists. What's the difference between that and Hillary Clinton calling people uh, deplorables? Tony Katz, great to be with you. Jim Garrity joins us right now of National Review. Uh, you can find his work at nationalreview.com. Biden does the precise opposite of bringing Americans together. I thought it was a good uh, piece and a, and a nice step back as we're talking about uh, this student loan uh, payoff. As I refer to it, my words, not yours, uh, Jim, but they could be yours as a bribe. I refer to it as immoral. It is seen as Americans as completely wrong and not who we are. It is clearly unconstitutional. It's the president engaging a spending bill, which the executive branch can't do. You took a bit of a step back and said, what happened to the guy who was going to unite the country? Your basic theory being what? Well, okay. My, my basic theory being that Joe Biden says a lot of things that either he doesn't mean at all, or maybe he means them in the moment, but then he forgets them. And as much as it would be easy to make jokes about Joe Biden having bad memory, I think in the end, you look over his long career, Joe Biden has always been something of a blowhard. He's always been a braggart. He's always been kind of insufferable. But as one of my colleagues observed, you know, Biden went into office with a fairly high approval. And I think that represented the American people. They knew who they were getting, but they're like, okay, if you really think you can be a statesman, if you really think you can be the man you've wanted to be your whole career, and you've aged into that elder statesman, soft-spoken, somebody who's going to change the tone, lower the anger and the heat and the divisiveness and that, you you know, that you're ready to be this not-so-antagonist figure, okay, we'll give you that chance. And I think it tried to work for a couple of months, and then probably right around this time last year when Afghanistan was falling apart. And we saw, and he, first of all, he disappeared from public eye for several days, and when he came back, he was shouting at Stephanopoulos, that was four or five days ago, man. And it was very clear that not only is this the Joe Biden we'd always seen, this is actually an older, crankier, more prickly, um, uh, more likely to shoot off his mouth than usual, uh, Joe Biden. And I, you know, I, when I wrote that yesterday, I got a whole bunch of folks, you know, liberals on Twitter saying, Republicans are a bunch of extremists, and you know, Joe, why should Joe Biden try to unite the country? I'm like, well, whether or not you think he should isn't the issue, because he said he was going to do this. 
I am judging him by the goal that he set for himself, and he said this is what consumes his soul. This was his number one priority as he laid out in his inaugural address. And go, speaking of that inaugural address, uh, you, you, you shared uh, some of it. Uh, unity, my whole soul is in it. Today on this January day, my whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people and uniting our nation. Yet there he is referring to Trump supporters as, as fascists. You and I, throughout the 2016 uh, election, we disagreed on Trump. We disagreed on some things. We agreed on, on, on other things. Neither one of us, Jim, called each other a freaking fascist fascist uh, because we had a different take on where the country was going and what it is they were looking for uh, in, 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 a, in a president. This doesn't engage any unity. Is unity seen as weakness by the progressive left or uh, by uh, the, the hardened right? Well, before we go any further, Tony, I have to observe, what's a semi-fascist? Um, I, I honestly, I, I can no longer tell you uh, what that is. I'm assuming that's fascist curious. I was going to say, is that fascist on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, but not fascist Tuesdays and Thursdays? Or uh, you're fascist, but you're kind of wishy-washy about it? I guess the two terms really don't go well together. And you like pointing the gun, but you don't necessarily like firing. Maybe that's it. I, you know, the, the, it's what, there's a part of me that looks at this and says, well, look, if you really want to, Mr. Uniter, if you really want to denounce, if not half the country, then a significant chunk of the country as fascist, then do it and don't put the modifier semi in charge of, like, there is something, it's like being a little bit pregnant, you know, like, you know, they're, they're slightly fascist, but not completely fascist. Uh, no, this, this is, as you said, a good echo of the deplorables attack, which I think, you know, did not backfire to Hillary Clinton a great deal, in part because in American politics, we tend to attack the – if you're in politics, you're an elected official, or you're a candidate for higher office, you attack the opposing figure, you don't attack the other figure's voters. And this comment is very intriguing when you line it up with Charlie Crist's first speech as the uh, – uh, gubernatorial candidate down in Florida running against Ron DeSantis where somebody asked him, I guess, a question in the vein of, you know, what's your plan to appeal to people who currently support Ron DeSantis? Oh, by the way, which is more than more than half in Florida. And Chris was like, if you support Ron DeSantis, I don't want you on your side. Keep that hate in your heart over there. Think about it. We're, we're seeing candidates not just announce the opposition, the opposition candidates. They're seeing candidates denounce the opposition voters, right? That, that's what makes this different and significant, and that's what I think makes it into much more dangerous territory. Look, I can't stand – you know, there are a whole bunch of Democratic candidates I can't stand, and I'll make fun of Biden, and I'll make fun of Kamala Harris, and I'll make fun of Pelosi and Schumer and the whole crew. But if you voted for him, I don't necessarily think you're a terrible human being. I don't think you're necessarily a bad person. We just disagree on things. I can find something else. There's a good chance I can find something else. Uh, that you and I would that I would you and I would agree on, but if I run around thinking that the average Democrat is a horrible person, if I run around thinking the average Democrat is a threat to the country, and I, that's how you end up with this. Well, I can't be friends with you. I'm not going to speak to my siblings at Thanksgiving, and just kind of this mentality of the college students who say I couldn't have a roommate who had different political views. And then really, that's where you do end up with something that's more like the Balkans, or God forbid, you know, something more like the Civil War. Where it's not merely, ah, I think the I think the guys, I think your your party's leaders are a bunch of idiots. To I think you, voter for another party, you're an idiot, and there's no no common ground. There's nothing we can unite upon. 
talking to the irony is when we're coming under president who told us how much he was going to unite us talking to Jim Garrity of National Review, nationalreview.com. You talk about that thing with, with college students where the vast, the, the, this this group, I shouldn't say vast majority, but this majority of uh, college students who would call themselves progressives or Democrats, they don't want to room with somebody who voted uh, for Trump because it's not that we disagree. It's that the disagreement in and of itself is an affront. Disagreement is seen as 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 they'll call it hate speech. They'll call it thought crime. Whatever whatever kind of uh, large government scale true fascism they want to engage it as, uh, and they'll decide that somebody else isn't worthy and shouldn't be allowed. The country is divided because as as we've seen, the politics have become religion, and is is this this all encompassing. Theory and thesis. So now let's take it to we see what Biden is doing. We see what Biden is about and that he didn't actually believe his words when he said it. How does this end? How do you get people who have turned their politics into religious fervor? How do you get that to stop? I wish I had a really good answer for you, Tony. One observation I do know, though, is I'd really like to ask. I think you follow up questions with those college students and say, all right, let's say we find you a roommate who has exactly the same political views you do, but they never do their laundry and it piles up and it stinks. <laughs> do you like that better? <laughs> you know, well, what if right. we find you somebody who voted for Trump? Uh, maybe they're an evangelical Christian and you don't agree with that, or you have really different political views, really different ideological, philosophical uh, views like that, but they're actually a really good roommate <laughs> and they take care of their stuff. And you get along well and you enjoy watching the same things on TV or, or you know, like whatever. In other words, you have – they're actually easy to live with because, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of people who have had roommates, housemates, and maybe even married couples. When you're living with somebody, it's a very different experience. All of a sudden, all these decisions kind of have to run through a committee and to make sure it works with everybody else. And what you think politically is not necessarily the most central question in all of those issues you're trying to resolve there. So – um, I mean, one, I guess you're right. One of the problems with this, look, I, you know, my whole career has been in political journalism. I've been interested in, in politics going back to uh, really, you know, high school, even before then, and listening to Limbaugh and all this kind of stuff. But in the end, you know, what, what defines me is not really, you know, who I vote for or what I believe, you know, friends, family, the actual bonds you have in life. And for a long time, I think there's a broad consensus of that. We all knew somebody who voted some, who voted ways we thought were nutty, but hey, you know what? That's an issue on November, the beginning of the first Tuesday in November, and then we're like normal human beings the rest of the year. We've lost interest in being the normal human beings the rest of the year, and we've allowed whatever we believe on you know that first Tuesday in November to become the characteristic that defines us to the to the expense of everything else. I, I do kind of wonder if like to some people it's giving them a sense of identity that they ordinarily would have gotten through could be anything from religion to community to hobbies to family connections to other things in their lives. Politics is playing a role that it really was never meant to do.